Good morning. Well, let's try that again. Good morning. Oh, that was much better. It's uh, cold and it's wet outside, but it's dry and warm in here. And I hope that I'm not just talking about temperature-wise when I say warm. We want to be a warm congregation of God's people. We want to be a warm church family. We don't want to be cool or worse, cold. We want people to feel welcome. We want to greet one another with a smile, uh, with a hug, with a word of encouragement. We want, we want there to be warmth in this place. We're really thankful that you're here. If you're a visitor, we hope that we'll have the opportunity to make introduction and get to know you a little bit. And speaking of introductions, I, I want you to think about meeting somebody for the very first time and what happens in that engagement. What kinds of things do you learn when you first make introduction with another person, when you first meet them? Most often you learn their name, but if you're like me, sometimes as soon as they speak their name, you've already forgotten their name because you're too busy thinking about how you're going to share with them your name, and then you're embarrassed, you don't want to ask them their name again because they just told you. Sometimes introductions can be a little nerve-wracking, can't they? You learn their name. Maybe you learn where somebody's from. Maybe you learn um, what they do for a living uh, or a little bit about their family. What kinds of things do you not learn in an introduction? Most often you don't learn about any problems that this person is going through, any personal issues in their life. You don't often learn when you first make introduction with somebody if they are struggling with any health challenges. In our text this morning, in Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 24 or 25, we are introduced to somebody. But this is not a typical introduction. You see, in this introduction, you will learn some things that you ordinarily would not learn And you won't learn some things that you ordinarily would. This is an unorthodox and it's an unflattering introduction of a woman in Mark chapter 5. And you're welcome to go there with me in your Bible. Mark chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 24, the second part of verse 24, where we see here that a great crowd followed him, meaning Jesus, and thronged about him. Jesus' ministry has come to the point where he is drawing great crowds unto himself. The people cannot get enough of Jesus. They know what he's capable of. They know the power that he possesses to heal and to drive out evil spirits and to raise people from the dead. And everybody wants to bring all their sick folks to Jesus so that he can heal them, so that he can fix them. And Jesus and his disciples can't go anywhere without crowds surrounding them. And that's what we see here in verse 24. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman. Here she is. Here's our introduction to this lady. And we learn something right off the bat that you would not learn in a typical introduction. She had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered much under many physicians, and she'd spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. Here she is. 
our first introduction to this lady. And we all ought to feel compassion for her immediately, just from these few short lines. Let's think about what this, let's try to put ourselves in her shoes and consider what she's gone through. Twelve years of this, of dealing with this physical ailment. Can you imagine the hopelessness that she must feel? Wondering if this thing is ever going to end. Twelve years. Maybe you can. Maybe you have faced a health challenge for an extended period of time. But I'm telling you, after a week, after two weeks, after a month of being sick, Many of us start wondering, is this ever going to end? This lady faced this problem for 12 long years. And the scripture also shares here that she spent all that she had. Every last dime that she had made went to help, helping to find a cure for what she was experiencing. So this problem placed her in an extreme financial burden. She spent all she had. And there were no incremental improvements along the way. There there was no light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, Scripture says she didn't get better at all. In fact, she didn't even stay level. She grew worse. So can you imagine the frustration that she must feel? I've spent all I've had. I've seen all these doctors. I've tried all of these treatments. And I have nothing to show for it. Nothing. In fact, I have only grown worse. And imagine the physical toll on this lady. She must have been in a weakened condition from losing so much blood over such a long period of time. Anemic, weak, not close to feeling 100%. And on top of it all, and this is the most significant as we consider this passage, she, according to the law of Moses in the Old Testament, is rendered ceremonially unclean because of her issue of blood, which had far-reaching ramifications for her life. She could not enter into the portion of the temple that was reserved for women. Therefore, she could not worship God as she had done in the past. Anywhere she went, she had to publicly declare that she was unclean. She had to tell people, I am in an unclean state. So her social and religious life in the community of her people had taken an extreme hit. She was an outcast. She was on the margins of society. She was an untouchable, literally. Because if you touched her, you also were unclean. And you had to go through a certain ritual in order to regain your purity. My oh my. This woman's situation. It's heartbreaking. This is a forgotten woman. In fact, we don't even know her name. We are not told her name on the pages of Scripture, something that you would learn immediately when you make introduction with somebody. We don't even know her name. A forgotten person. Do we have forgotten people in our society today? People that it seems our culture has turned its back upon. Forgotten people, they live right under our nose, they live in our backyard, they live right around the corner in our community, but we do not see them because we do not want to see them. Their needs are too great, their baggage is too heavy, and we are much, much too busy to worry ourselves with them. 
And so they remain overlooked, ignored, forgotten. We've got people like this woman living in our country today, do we not? We have people like this woman, forgotten people, living in Franklin County, living in Winchester, living in Estill Springs or Deckard or Cowan, right around the corner from where we live, right in our backyards, right in our neighborhoods, forgotten people, overlooked, ignored people. There's an old song that says, you know, that old trees just grow stronger and old rivers grow wilder every day. Old people just grow lonesome, waiting for someone to say, hello in there, hello. There are some people in our society that are begging, that are pleading, that want nothing more than to be seen, noticed, for someone to look them in the eye and ask how they're doing and say, hello in there, hello. I see you. I notice you. You are not forgotten. You will not be ignored. Even the way that her story is told This lady that we've just been introduced to, even the way that her story is told on the pages of Scripture, hints at her insignificance in the eyes of the world. You see, Jesus and his disciples are on their way somewhere else when they run into her. If you know the story well, you know that Jesus has been confronted by a man named Jairus, who is the ruler of a Jewish synagogue. So, you know, a higher up in the Jewish world. And his daughter is on her deathbed. And she's just 12 years old. And he says, Jesus, I know that you are capable. You are powerful enough to heal her. Please come with me. I beg of you, come to my daughter's bedside and heal her. And Jesus and his disciples are on their way there. And the crowds are surrounding him. And lo and behold, there's this woman. But they're on their way somewhere else. And so her story is sandwiched it is shoved between another story. And it reminds us of how insignificant and overlooked she is. But Jesus is about to remind us, are you listening, church? Jesus is about to remind us that the ministry to which God calls us is often in the detours and not the destination. You see, some of us have... Tunnel vision, when we get our minds on a goal or on an outcome, that is all we can see. But Jesus wants us to slow down and to keep our eyes and our ears and our hearts open along the journey. Jesus wants us to serve him along the way to where we're going and not get so caught up in a goal or an outcome that that's all we can see. And we might miss people like this woman who seems to appear out of nowhere while... while Jesus and his disciples are on their way somewhere else, are on their way to fulfill another task, to fulfill the mission. Jesus teaches us that some of the most meaningful ministry is in what seem to be distractions, detours along the way. Don't miss those. Don't miss people like this lady. Let's see what happens. Let's keep reading. Verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus like everybody else who is crowding around him. And she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. So this speaks to her faith. 
And listen, immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, listen, we're studying Mark on Sunday mornings right now, and as you study Mark, you will see that he uses this word over and over again to keep the action pushing forward. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. In this instant, after 12 years of hopelessness, 12 years of treatments, 12 years of doctor's visits, 12 years of spending all that she had, 12 years of worry and frustration in an instant at the touch of Jesus' garments, it's done. She's healed. And let's see what happens next. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. Here are the two most important words of our sermon this morning. Jesus stops. Jesus stops. He slows down. He presses pause. And his disciples, we see from the text think that it's silly that he stops. I mean, they say, Jesus, what are you talking about? Who touched me? Everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody is touching you. We can't hardly walk through this town, walk through a crowd. People are thronging about you. What do you mean, who touched you? They think it's silly. I'm wondering if they also are frustrated by Jesus' decision to stop and to look for this woman. Maybe they think, Listen, Jesus, we are headed to Jairus' house. And do you know who Jairus is? He is a leader of, of a Jewish synagogue, of the place of Jewish learning. If we can help him out, because he has such clout and, and such a great reputation in the community, maybe if we did something good for him, that would add credibility to what we're doing here, Jesus. And don't you think we need that? Because The Jewish religious elite is out for us. They don't like us. So Jesus, let's keep moving on to Jairus' house. That's the mission. That's what we're after. That's the goal here. Jesus stops. And he looks around for this lady. Jesus delays what might have been seen as the more important mission to stop and look for somebody that everybody else had forgotten. That everybody else had overlooked. That everybody else had ignored. And the the text begs the question, why does Jesus look for her? I mean, the miracle's been done, hasn't it? She came for what, I mean, she got what she came for. She reaches out and says, if I could just touch the, and we don't get this in Mark, but we do in Matthew and Luke, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, the fringe of his garment, I will be made healed, I will be, will be healed or made whole, and she touches it, and immediately the flow of blood dries up. Her uncleanness should have extended to Jesus, but instead his power extends to her. And in that moment, Jesus senses, he feels, he perceives that power has gone out from him to heal this woman. So the miracle has been performed. It's done. Let's look in verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it. 
But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. So it is a sense of reverence before Jesus because she has been healed. But it might also be true fear because think of all the people she's had to work her way through to get to Jesus. All the people that she's touched that she's not supposed to touch because now they have been made unclean because of her. So she's afraid and yet she falls in in reverence and awe before Jesus and she tells him everything, the whole truth. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, the miracle may have been done, but the healing was not yet complete. Physically, she may have been fixed, but spiritually, she had not yet been healed. And we really should pause and take in, drink in, soak in, What Jesus has to say to this woman. This woman to whom we've been introduced for the first time in Mark chapter 5. This woman who was living on the fringes of society. Who was an outcast. Who was ignored and overlooked. Has now been warmly welcomed into the family of God. Jesus looks at her and he says, daughter. When's the last time that she heard anyone speak a term of love and belonging and endearment like that to her? If she's been unclean for this many years, then she has not been intimate with her husband for this many years. If she still even has a husband, if he has not put her away. If she has children, maybe she doesn't have children, but if she does, she hasn't been able to carry on a warm, intimate relationship with them. She's been cut off from her friends and her support network and her community. From from all the resources that she needs in order to help her get through this trying time. And Jesus looks at her and he says, daughter. And he welcomes her into the family of God. We don't know her name. We don't know her her given name, the name on her birth certificate. But we do know her most important name. And it's daughter. This forgotten woman is forgotten no more. You want to be like Jesus? We say we want to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus act? That's what I want to do. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to follow after his example. Do you want to be like Jesus? We ought to want to be like Jesus. We wear his name. We belong to his church. He is our Savior and our Lord. If you want to be like Jesus, then you will notice the people that society has neglected. You will notice the people that society has neglected you will look for the people everyone else has forgotten. That old song that I quoted earlier, there's another line, it goes like this. So if you're walking down the street sometime and you spot some hollow ancient eyes, please don't just pass them by and stare as if you didn't care. 
Say hello in there. Hello. Show them that you see them, that you notice them, extend to them love, grant them dignity, but you can do even better than that. As a Christian, you can do better than that. You can offer people in our communities today what Jesus offered this woman. Belonging, healing, peace, salvation through faith in Christ. You see, we've got forgotten people all around us. Forgotten, overlooked, ignored, neglected people. And we don't have to be selective in our compassion for these people. The sick, the imprisoned, the widow, the orphan, the church from its inception has been known as a body that takes care of the most vulnerable, overlooked people among us. The shut-in, the impoverished, the unborn, the refugee, the addicted, forgotten people all, all around us. And what they need more than anything, what they need more than anything else, more than a social service or a government program, not to diminish those and the good that they do, but as Christians, what we believe they need more than anything else is exactly what we need, is exactly why we are here, is exactly why we depend on God's grace each and every day to cover over our sins. What they need is what we need, what we all need, Jesus Christ. We need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need to see Jesus in us. We need to show them Jesus. We need to take them by the hand and lead them to Jesus. If they desire to know Jesus, we dare not place anything, any barrier in their way to helping them get to know Jesus. They need Jesus. So how are we doing with that? As the church, as a congregation, as individual Christians, how are you doing? How am I doing? Do I notice the neglected like I should? You know, Jesus tells us that our willingness or lack thereof to help is the standard by which we will be judged. Listen to Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will, will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry, you gave me no food. Thirsty, you gave me no drink. Stranger, you didn't welcome me. Naked, you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will say, Lord, we don't remember seeing you in any of those conditions. Hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and and did not minister to you. Then he will say, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The degree to which we notice the neglected, care for the forgotten, is the standard by which we will be judged when our King and our Lord returns. So may we open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our energies, our resources, our wallets, to people like this lady with this issue of blood. Because there's people like her living all around us. People who are overlooked, ignored, neglected. People that God remembers. People that God sees. But do God's people see them too? We must remember that God has opened a floodgate of blessings for us in Christ. He has called us daughters and sons through faith in His Son. And so just as God has been generous with us, may we be generous in giving and loving and compassionate towards the least of these. Listen, this morning, He wants to give you what He gave that woman. He wants to provide to you belonging in a family that will extend into eternity, the church. He wants to provide healing, not to your physical ailments, which will stick around until either Jesus returns or you pass from this life. Those are just symptoms of living in a sinful, fallen world. No, He wants to provide for you healing that is better than than any healing a doctor can provide. Spiritual healing, balm, nourishment to your soul. He wants to provide to you peace, not always outer peace with friends or family, and especially in our world today, but an inner peace, a sense of His abiding, constant presence. And He wants to provide to you salvation. Life, abundant life, eternal life. He wants to give you all this through the sacrifice of of His Son, Jesus. And if you've never come and confessed that beautiful name, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been washed in water, baptized, immersed, so that those sins can be removed from you, we invite you to do that. It it really is as simple as that. If you know you're a sinner, and that you need a Savior, and that Jesus is the only one who can save you, and and you've, you've never acknowledged that, and you've never been you've never been baptized, you've never been immersed, We want you to do that. God wants you to do that. You need to do that. Why don't you do that? Or if you have any other spiritual need uh, this morning, why don't you come right now also as we stand and sing?